I think the Knicks may be the ninth seed this year. Ooh. That is a horrible Ooh. take. Welcome back to the Game Buckets Podcast. I'm Ethan, and I'm joined by David and Jordan. And on day of recording, it's December 17th, so we are five days out from the start of the NBA season. So we're going to do an episode of the Eastern Conference, and we're going to do an episode of the Western Conference, too. But today, we're just going to focus on the Eastern Conference. There's been a lot of moves going around through the whole East this in the offseason. And I think it's important that we talk about all of them. So let's start with the Milwaukee Bucks. So the Bucks, they just signed Giannis to a Supermax extension, which is five years, $228 million with the player option for the fifth year. And it doesn't kick in until next season. So he's actually on the, he's guaranteed to be on their team for the next five years. They also traded for Drew Holiday. And uh, for three first-round picks and two pick swaps. So, what are your guys' reaction to the contract? Do you think it's good or bad for the NBA? Let's just start with that. What do you guys think about that contract? I th- I think it's awesome to see in a league with so much movement among stars to have a guy like Giannis, who is two-time reigning MVP, opt to stay with his the team that drafted him over going having a year of speculation with Miami, Dallas, Toronto, and all those teams. I think it's really cool to see that, you know, we don't see a lot of loyalty in today's NBA. Like you have Giannis and then maybe you have like a Damian Lillard who's stayed loyal to the trailblazers despite the ups and downs with that franchise. So seeing those two guys, it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, while the trade movement is fun, it's just, you want to see, teams be incentivized for having like guys stay there for 15, 20 years, like a Dirk Nowitzki, like a Kobe Bryant, those types of guys. It's just, it's, it's fun to see that once in a while. So I definitely think it's a really good thing for the NBA and it should kickstart a lot of rumors with James Harden, especially with Miami, because it seemed like their plan all along was to lure Giannis over to Miami. And now that he's there for the next five years, they're going to have to go to plan B. I also don't think that just because he signed this big deal, I don't think it means necessarily that. Like I, I'm, I'm just not too sure that that means that Giannis isn't going to get traded because regardless of where Giannis would have ended up, he would have gotten this exact deal. So um, that's just the kind of player that Giannis is. He was maybe the fact that it was a supermax um, we could talk about, but um, and also the player option does indicate that they have a lot of trust in Giannis. But I don't think it makes him untradeable by any means. And I still think a lot of those deals that people are saying, like to the Warriors or to the Mavericks or to the Heat, I don't think that they're as likely anymore just because it probably would have happened over the deadline. But I still do think that over the next year or two, I definitely could still see that in play, especially if the Bucks continue to lack success in the playoffs. Because we saw that Giannis did have a little bit of a meltdown with his team after like unfollowing everybody and kind of throwing a tantrum. So I, you know, I think on the Bucks' end, it was a deal that they had to make. Um, obviously, it doesn't kick in until next season, like Ethan said. But and and actually, I think that really the commitment that I see that the Bucks are making to Giannis was that trade for Drew Holiday, because that was kind of like a, a win now trade that they had to make. It's not that they even had a bad team before trading for him, 
but Drew Holiday adds a lot of the things that they were lacking. Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily say that Giannis will get traded in a year or two, just because I th- I think this show well, Giannis is or I mean it's been widely reported he's a very loyal guy he loves Milwaukee that's his city that you know he came there as an 18 year old with some Greek kid that not a lot of people knew about and that's where he became a man it's where he you know met met his uh his the mother of his child who he actually just had a baby with almost I think seven or eight months ago it's where he wants to raise his children he wants to win an NBA championship there I think. That's really cool. And even if, let's say, Giannis gets frustrated within the first year or two of the deal, Milwaukee has no incentive to move him. They can just say, hey, we have you under contract. We, it's like with the Rockets right now with Harden, they don't really, they don't have to move him. He can pout all he wants, but he's under contract for the next three years, just like Giannis will be under contract for the next five years. So even if he were to pout, which I don't think he will, Milwaukee doesn't really have to move him. But I, I, I see what you're saying with that. No, that's definitely true. Of course, they don't have to move him, but uh, and they like they were kind of under that pressure before. I just don't think that necessarily means that Giannis will stay around. Like I, I do think that you know if, if things don't work out over a few years, like Giannis would have gotten this deal anywhere. Like there's no way that so there's no way that he wouldn't be getting anything like five years, two hundred twenty million. So or two twenty eight million. Sorry. Well, wow. wait, that means he's he's like getting like a six figure salary like every day. That's incredible. That's actually insane. <laughs> Well, yeah, he's also going to be, I, I think with any other team, it would have been something like five years, 193. But with with Milwaukee, right, it's max, it's right? yeah, it's a super max because it's with the team that has your bird rights. You can get an extra like 35 million. Do you guys think that the Bucks will still be the first seed next year? Yeah, I, I definitely do. And you just brought up that Drew Holiday trade. And I really think that that improves their roster by a lot. You know, Eric Bledsoe was a great player for them last season, but you know, in the playoffs, he can't really hit threes very well. He's a good defender, but I think Drew Holiday is probably a better defender. And he also is a, a better perimeter scorer, and I think he's an overall better player than Drew Holiday, so, than Eric Bledsoe, I mean. So I think that the Bucks they will definitely be the number one seed next season, and I really like the Drew Holiday pickup. It sucks that they did not get Bogdanovich, who's on the Hawks now, but I think, you know, they're going to have to rely a little bit more on players like DiVincenzo and Pat Connaughton and those seven players so a little bit more. But they're good players. I don't necessarily know how much that, you know, Bogdanovich would have improved their roster anyway. He's a nice player, but I don't think it moves the needle for them that much. More no, so I, than I, I, I think you're underselling Bogdanovich there. He would have been a terrific pickup for them. But they made a lot of smart moves after that. You know, they really they rebounded well from that whole debacle. They picked up Brent Forbes, like you said. Yeah, they Brent Forbes, yeah, Holiday. I forgot to mention him. He was they, a, a they very signed, good pickup. They signed DJ Augustine to a, a you know fairly team friendly contract, three years, twenty one million only. That's a pretty movable deal if they had if they had to at some point. So they made a couple of good moves here and there. And I, I mean, like Ethan said, I expect them to be the number one seed. They're gonna dominate the regular season like they always have. It's it's the playoffs where you have to worry. But the addition of Drew Holiday is is gonna be fantastic. He's you know a top three perimeter defender in the league you, you could say and he's just he's a decent enough passer you know he's right there with Bledsoe probably a little bit better of a passer and not having Giannis as the main facilitator I think is going to help a lot where Giannis can work more on the block and get inside more so he doesn't have to feel the need to facilitate and spend a lot of time on the perimeter yeah I, I think the holiday move was fantastic even if you gave up the three first round picks just because now you have Giannis locked up for those 
five years. So the picks are going to be 28, 29 range. So, you know, the picks obviously have, they have value, but, but when you're a team competing for a championship, those you can, you can buy second round picks and still find those kinds of players. Yeah. The yeah. bucks have been very good with drafting too. So, you know, they, they don't have that, that was kind of issues. Yeah. So let's move on to a team that was just in the Eastern conference finals, which is the Boston Celtics. So they also had a pretty big off season too. They signed Jason Tatum to a five-year, $195 billion contract extension. They got rid of Gordon Hayward, who went to the Hornets for, we know, that pretty albatross contract, three years, $120 million. They signed Tristan Thompson on the team, who averaged a double-double last year. I think he's still a pretty good player. And then we know Kemba had some injury history um, last season when he injured his knee. He didn't look too great in the bubble, but... Um, there are definitely some concerns about him moving forward because I didn't think he really looked that great. So let's just start with what do you guys think that Gordon Hayward not on the team anymore will have an effect on the team? I, I do you think, think it's going to be addition by subtraction? Do you think they're going to get better? You took the words right out of my mouth. I was going to say addition by subtraction. And that's not to say anything bad about Gordon Hayward. Uh, I actually think Gordon Hayward is very good. And the kind of the problem with Gordon Hayward in Boston, the team that he came to, you have to remember, he came to the team that was with Kyrie and it was better fit for him. I don't think that the Celtics at the time basically could have foreseen the rise of not just one, but two premier wing players on the team in Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. So I think, you know, Gordon Hayward going away and keep in mind, it was a trade exception too. I think they got like a $28 million trade exception. You have to think about that come February. If the Celtics are in position to make a move, like kind of like that Marcus Gasol move, the Marcus Gasol move that helped Toronto win a championship, you best believe they will. So I think that, actually, I think that the Boston Celtics, I really think that this could be the year that they go first seed in the East. I also think that, you know, signing Tristan Thompson, who's basically replacing Ennis Kanter, is, is fantastic. He's going to bring the kind of grit that they had with Aaron Baines, because I really think that the Celtics have, like, missed Aaron Baines. So... You know, even though they didn't make too many moves, I think that just like you said, I think it's going to be addition by subtraction. I think that Jason Tatum is going to be, um, he's going to be a dark horse MVP candidate. And uh, I also think Kevin Walker, you know, he's had time to recover. Kemba's still a stud. He's no Kyrie Irving, but he's still a stud. And uh, I just think that they should be like a 50-win team. I, I mean, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the Celtics. I've always been on the Jason Tatum, big member of that fan club for a number of years since he was at Duke. Uh, I, I think if he takes another like mini leap and he can in, in maybe initiate a bit more and jump up to maybe that five five and a half assist mark, Jalen Brown obviously he's gonna he's probably gonna take another jump next year. But Kemba Walker is what's gonna take this team from where they were last year as an Eastern Conference Finals team to someone who can make it over that hump into the finals and contend with a team like the Lakers or the Clippers or whoever's representing the Western Conference. Because Kemba, the knee injury, really scares me. The fact that he had time to recover before the bubble started, and he still seemed a little bit wonky with it. And now he dealt with the injury in the playoffs, and he's had about two, three months to recover, and he's still not fully healthy. So the knee, like like David said, you know Kemba's a really good player, but his health really concerns me. I want to see his knee back to 100% before I can fully believe in the Celtics team. But I, I still think they have every chance to be a top three seed in the East and making a deep run to the playoffs, even without him. You know, someone like a Jeff Teague, 
who's probably the most boring player in the NBA, but you know, it's still a reliable. I, I completely forgot that Jason, that um, I'm sorry. I completely forgot that Jeff Teague was even on the Celtics. Like that. I remember like seeing the preseason game and then just like Twitter blowing up with like Jeff Teague. I was like, Oh no, what did he do? And it's like, nah, Twitter was just freaking out that he like is, he's literally there now. He's going to be a good backup though. Um, and all, all things considered. And, you know, I think it would be a travesty if they didn't make a top three seed. And all I'm going to say is just remember that trade exception that they got for Gordon Hayward, because at first it looked like Gordon Hayward's kind of going away for nothing, but that really could end up being a difference maker. That could, that, that's a lot of money to get a guy in the last year of a contract or, you know, get some, some bench depth or maybe even get a, a starter caliber player. If Kemba Walker isn't playing too well and they need, you know, so I think that you have to just uh, you have to keep that in mind about the Boston Celtics. I think it makes them extremely intriguing, um, much like a couple of other teams, you know, with trade rumors. So yeah. I mean, I, I don't want I don't want to get too deep into it, but Danny Ainge completely like mishandled the whole Gordon Hayward situation. He had the Pacers really wanting him. There was mutual interest between Hayward and the Pacers, and Ainge got greedy because. The Pacers couldn't fit Hayward into the caps. They had to shed some salary. Miles Turner was on the table, but then Ainge decided to ask for, I believe, TJ Warren and or Aaron Holiday as well, and and in addition to a first-round pick. So that just became way too much. I mean, he got the trade exception, which was nice, but I think he could have done a lot better and and deepened this team's uh, bench if he had sent him over to Indiana. Let's move on to one of the Celtics' rivals in the recent years which is the Philadelphia 76ers. Now, this is a team that we've actually talked about a lot on this podcast because there's a bunch of rumors that were swirling around. And What did I say, Ethan? What did I say months ago? I said it's going to be hard. It's going to be Simmons or Embiid are going to be gone. Well, now the, there's some rumors now that the Sixers are willing to give Simmons for Harden. So that's huge. And That doesn't make I, any sense to me for the Rockets end, by the way. I agree. I, it, the fit would make zero sense with John Wall and Houston. They both don't shoot. I don't. I don't. I don't get it. But Ben Simmons is probably the best player they could get out of anybody they could trade with. So it, it makes kind of makes sense on that. But the fit would be really weird. But I don't know. They traded Josh Richardson to the Mavs for Seth Curry, which I thought was a very good move. And Danny Green also signed there too. Which is really, I thought, was a really good move. Daryl Morey making his little moves, adding shooting to the team, which is a really a big need for the for the Sixers. So they got rid of Al Horford, which is going to clog up, which is going to clear up the lane. That's definitely addition by subtraction. They added they added shooters. Tobias Harris is going to have a lesser role now, I think, which is also better because he's a good player, but he's not. He's not a superstar, and he, I don't know if he's not—he's not even really a star player. He's a borderline all-star player. Again, paid a lot of money, but I think that the Sixers team will be improved. And do you guys think that they will make a run to the finals? Because we talk about this every almost every year. For Absolutely the not. The, I I don't believe in the Sixers anymore. Yeah, like, we've talked about this like many times over the past couple of years. Oh, the Sixers are loaded, and you know, and then every year they flame down in the playoffs. So what do you guys think? What are their chances this year? There can only ah. be one winner every year, right? And I just think that the the Sixers experiment has failed. The whole, you know, tank for picks and just watch them become loads of talent. You know, I've talked about this before. The end product is Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. Both 
two of the unquestionably two of the most talented at their position of this generation, unquestionably. And yet, what do we see? Fizzling out of the playoffs every year. Yes, they were a Kawhi buzzer away from maybe going to the finals two years ago. Maybe. Uh, I still didn't believe it. And you really look at the fit. You know, they really weren't able to to maximize. They should have taken a step forward. They didn't. They were like the sixth seed going to the playoffs. Uh, they've they've just been embarrassing. I mean, like Ben Simmons, he he's basically after LeBron has the highest basketball IQ in the NBA. And just to see that he's not taking the simple concrete steps to becoming an all NBA player uh, is sad. You know, the fact that Joel Embiid, considering that how good he is, still isn't able to dominate because of, you know, injury history and stuff like that. Um, that's also sad. And I just think the thing that disgusts me the most about the Sixers is when you consider the fact that there are guys like Markel Fultz, Nerlens Noel, Jaleel Okafor, the casualties of the process, you know, that, that you know, the, the guys that they tanked for, they just threw away, like, like damaged goods. And w- what is the end result? The Sixers aren't going to sniff the finals, I don't think. I don't even think they're going to be a top-four seed this year. And maybe they get hard and it changes. But the team as it is, I don't think has a future. I think getting Daryl Morey was incredible, but it's clear that Daryl Morey, from the trades, he wants to make Rockets East. If he gets James Harden and he surrounds all those shooters about him, fine. I actually think that it'll probably be easier for you know, a Rockets-like team to win it all in the East than it is in the West. Having said that, I still think there are question marks for me about uh, James Harden's success in the playoffs. And I'm just not sure that even if it becomes Harden and Embiid, I just don't know how quickly they'll gel in their first year. So I don't think this is going to be a year for Philadelphia Sixers at all. So, Dave, I'm actually going to have to disagree with you there. I'm I'm kind of fascinated by the 76ers. I think they're a real sleeper in the Eastern Conference. Uh, ben Simmons, you said he wasn't All-NBA. He actually made the All-NBA third team. This past yeah, but year. he should be he should be like uh he he's talented enough to be like top five top ten player in the league. Oh, I, know, I, and it's, I, it's very I, I totally things. agree. You know, it, it, uh, and I'm gonna let you finish. I'm not saying they're not a fascinating team. It's just that I've heard these conversations every single year for the past three years that they're a sleeper team. This would be the year they win it all, and it, nothing ends up coming out of it ever. It's always it's always the same thing. Yeah, so I, I mean I think. The problem last year was they really didn't have enough shooting, and they forced Tobias Harris to play the small forward, which really wasn't his role. Uh, Tobias Harris, by the way, if he's if he's playing the four and with the money that he's making, he's going to have to have a big role in that team if they're going to be successful because you can't pay a guy, what is it, $37, $38 million a year. He's got to have a big role in that team. He's got to be that 20-point-per-game scorer for them and be able to be someone who can spot up from the outside and be that guy where Ben Simmons can slash and he can kick it out to him in the corner or something like that. Um, adding Danny Green and Seth Curry, I think were two huge moves for them. Danny Green obviously got clowned for what he did in the finals. He really wasn't performing well for most of the playoffs. And But Danny Green is still he's a very good shooter. He can shoot it at, what, 37 38% clip from three. You know, guys like that are very valuable in today's NBA. Seth Curry, obviously, we know. He's right there as well. He can probably go above the 40% mark. So having, I, I've always said that the Sixers should build their team the way the Bucks have built around Giannis, where they just surround him with shooters. And because Ben Simmons at his best in transition, and when he has shooters around him, and he can just drive and kick, or you know he can fake the pass and get get into the lane, that's where he's at his best. Joel Embiid, it's he's a monster we all know that but the biggest thing with him is going to have to be health if he's not healthy the Sixers just aren't the same team 
But if they can get, let's say, 60 games out of Embiid this year and he's healthy enough to perform well in the playoffs, I think I think they're a really dangerous team. And having someone like Doc Rivers, a voice in there, we've, we've talked about Doc Rivers' struggles in the playoffs outside of that one season with Boston where he had four Hall of Famers on his team. But Doc Rivers is, you know, he's a new voice in there. Brett Brown clearly didn't work. I actually think I want to just say I actually I agree with you. I think that Doc Rivers is is basically the coach that they need um, because they do need a player's coach. And that's not really true with any other team in the league. But I think with the Sixers, particularly considering, you know, the the kind of the the ego balance, that was something that he was very good at um, with uh, with teams like with Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan at kind of um, learning how to balance their egos and get them to win together. That's something that is really good. And I think that that is something that could work to their strengths. Especially if you have like an Embiid and Harden kind of team, where it's like two of the most like you know dominant personalities in the league. So that is the one thing I'll say that kind of works in their favor. But again, I'm I'm more curious what you guys think. Like, do you think the Simmons Harden trade? Do you think that is actually going to be realistic? Like, you know, before the end of the year or you know before the deadline, we will see some sort of move that puts Harden in Philadelphia. As the roster is currently constructed, I kind of have to side with David here. You know, we talk about the Sixers almost every year, you know, how they're going to be so good and how they're loaded and they fly out every year. I'm, I'm more at the stage of I want to believe it when I see it with the Sixers. You know, Ben Simmons is obviously a great player, but, you know, if he wants to be an all-NBA first-team kind of guy, MVP candidate, he has to shoot jump shots and he has not even attempted to try to get better. Yeah, in the bubble, he shot some open corner threes, but that's not that's not really what they need. They need him to be taking jumpers consistently, and he's just not doing it. So until he starts showing those type of steps that he does want to actually you know, improve, I'm not going to buy any Sixers stock. I want to believe it until I see it. Now I think we should move on to me and David's team, the Brooklyn Nets. Obviously, there's a lot of hype surrounding this team this year. You know, Kevin Durant is back. Kyrie Irving is back. They both looked really good in that preseason game that they played. They looked fresh. They looked springy. They looked really good. KD had 15. Kyrie had 18. They cooked the Wizards. I mean, obviously, it's the Wizards, but they looked really good. So, you know, Kyrie did make some outlandish comments about how he doesn't want to talk to the media, how they're pawns, and then he got fined like 25K. Then, obviously, he uh, he spoke to them because he doesn't want to get fined anymore. But he made some comments about how the Nets don't really need a head coach. And he actually took those comments back and said that Steve Nash demands commands respect, which he does. So what do you guys think is the ceiling for this Nets team? We do know that DeAndre Jordan, unfortunately, is starting over Jared Allen, which in my opinion is just really bad. But... It's, that's going to change by the end. I mean, there, but, there's just uh, it's going to be too... It's gonna be too uh, it's it's just too easy to clown DeAndre Jordan. No disrespect whatsoever. Like you know, DeAndre Jordan's very good at get, still very good at getting boards, still very good as a finisher, but he just he can't stick around on defense. And Jared Allen is he's elite in his movement off the ball and his in his like man on man defense. Jared Allen does struggle, but DeAndre Jordan's not much better. And it's really in this kind of zone defense that Kenny Atkinson pioneered for the Nets that Jared Allen shines. So I just think you know, come playoff time, I don't expect to see DeAndre Jordan starting for them. I think this is just to appease Kevin Durant right now and say, hey, look, it's your buddy playing. It's all part of the deal. And, you know, also, Joe Harris got signed to that $75 million contract over the offseason. 
So what do you think the starting lineup is going to look like? Because the Nets, they actually, they really do have a very deep team. So Joe Harris, he's definitely going to start. I think Dinwiddie's going to come off the bench. I think it's going to be Kyrie, Harris, Joe Harris, KD, and then DeAndre Jordan. That's going to be the starting lineup. What do you guys think that lineup could do damage in the East? And what do you guys think the net ceiling will be this season? Uh, I, I, I'd, I'd agree with you. I think that Joe Harris, when you pay him that money, you can't expect him to be the sixth man. He has to be in your starting lineup. And he should be there in your starting lineup when you have someone like who can shoot the ball like him at a 42-43% clip from three. And also, he's you know, he's not just a shooter anymore. He can get to the rim a little bit. He's not uh, he's not the worst defender. He's like a pretty he's not he's probably like average to below average on defense so he, he he's really not below average on defense at all i mean that's average to below average like he's in that area i mean like when he, you know, i was watching downs russell and maybe it's unbiased but watching him next to downs russell he looked like freaking tony allen like <laughs> i mean that, that that's when you look at d'angelo <laughs> russell like um worst defender in the nba maybe yeah. i think so. that the nets are going to finish uh top three i think that they're they will probably be the third seed um, I don't see them completely clicking this first year, and it's also a, it's kind of a shortened season too. I think that you're really gonna need to watch out for the second half Nets. That's always how it's been with the Nets. Nets always tend to start off slow. Every year I've watched them, they've always started off slow, had a bad losing streak. Maybe that'll finally change under Stephen Ash. I don't personally see it. I see them kind of being a 500 team before the All Star break, and then really turning on the the you know turning up the heat. And look, Kevin Durant, it's it's all about him. You know, we were listening to uh, a podcast a couple of days ago, me and Ethan. I think it was, it's not the starters anymore. It's what they became on The Athletic. But I just want to shout them out for this take because I completely agree. The narrative is perfect for KD to win another MVP. It's it's perfect. Like, you know, if he if he ends up averaging 30 points per game and the Nets are like a first or second seed or even a top four seed, you know, that's the redemption story of, 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 the, of the decade, basically. Like, we haven't seen him play in over 500, almost 600 days of basketball. Like last time Kevin Durant played, I was in a different country, so it's 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 gonna be crazy, and I think that it's this is really who it's the whole season is gonna be on. If he's gonna be like a 18 point per game player, I don't see the Nets making too much noise. If he can be even 90 percent or 80 percent of the player he was, you know, 10 win shares per season kind of guy, you know, uh, incredible shooter, you know, solid defender, making the good passes, uh, I I just don't see how anybody's gonna beat the Brooklyn Nets. Like I was just watching that. I know it was preseason. But you could just see the potential. I mean, I've gotten excited about a lot of bad Nets teams, and this is the first year that I'm really getting excited over a good Nets team. So maybe I'm a little biased, but I just don't see how they're, you know, if if the expectations are true, I don't see how they're not going to be at least a top three seed in the East. I think the biggest thing for Kevin Durant is how many games is he going to play this year? Because like you said, it's been, what, five, six hundred days since we've seen him play, since June of 2019 was the last time he played in an NBA game. And I could see a scenario where if this is a 72 game season where he might only play 45 to 50 games and, you know, not really playing any back to backs, maybe even when it's like two, you know, it's a two games in three days, he might rest for one of those games. And the same thing with Kyrie. I think Kyrie is probably going to rest a lot too. He has the knee issues. He has the shoulder issues. So he's probably going to get a lot of rest as well with, with an eye on the playoffs. As you know, this team is built for the postseason. They have a lot of depth uh, on their roster where they can, you know, have someone like a Spencer Dinwiddie step in when Kyrie's off or have 
a Torian Prince or a Joe Harris come in for, you know, even Jeff Green uh, step in for KD when he decides to take a night off and they can, you know, stay afloat in the Eastern Conference and maintain maybe a top four, top five seed. I don't think they're going to be competing for a top seed in the East just because of what I said, like KD and Kyrie are going to probably going to be resting a lot. But I, I could easily see them making a deep run in the playoffs just because of Kevin Durant. Like he, he's the best pure scorer in the NBA. He can average, you know, he can do 50, 40, 90 in the sleep. Yeah, he's the most consistent scorer in NBA history. I mean, like, yeah, yeah, there's also he, there are the debates about is he like one of the greatest scorers ever because you know he only had one scoring title and I think people don't realize that he is like um, sixth all time in points per game. At same same rate as LeBron, except I think like Kevin Durant really can score from everywhere, whereas LeBron kind of can't, and uh, that's that's gonna make a difference. I just the potential of having a guy like Kevin Durant in your offense is, is just unbelievable. And you know, say what you want about Steve Nash, he was Kevin Durant's personal coach in uh, Golden State. He was his personal coach, and so that's I think why he got the job too, just simply because of that connection. And he's going to have probably the most stacked assistant coach. Wad in NBA history, having Mike D'Antoni, you know, you're going to have some flares of that Rockets. Again, you talk about Rockets East, you're going to have some some of that Rockets flair. You know, you have Joe Harris, you have Kyrie, you have KD, you got all these shooters. You know, maybe Dinwiddie when he's not, you know, chucking step back fadeaways from the three-point line is a solid shooter. So uh, you have that. You have Jacques Vaughn, who's kind of revolutionized their defense. So you you look at uh, you look at the the kind of the squad that they have surrounding this team, and it's it's it really is finals or bust, and not in the KG Paul Pierce kind of way. I mean, Ethan, I, I just want to ask Ethan because you haven't talked in a while, but Ethan, like you've been a Nets fan forever, like what are you feeling about the Nets right now? Um, you know, I'm kind of conflicted because you know, as much as I love the Nets, I don't think they're going to make the finals this year. You know, this is not a LeBron James led team where you can you know assemble a super team and they go to the finals right away. You know, Kevin Durant could go to the Warriors and make the finals right away because that was a well-oiled machine. But this is a new team. And I just don't see the Nets making the finals this year. Next year, I think they were going to be a powerhouse and they're going to be really good because KD's going to be, if he stays healthy, knock on wood. But, you know, he has to stay, he's going to have to play really well. And I think he will if he's going to be a year off coming back from an Achilles. So I think next year the Nets will make the finals. But this year, it definitely has to be conference finals or bust. You have to make the conference finals this year to show the fans, just to show everybody, you know, that KD, I'm still KD, and Kyrie is still Kyrie. You know, with all the stuff, how much the media hates them and all that stuff, whatever, just prove them wrong. Show them that you're still those dudes and just go out and compete. And I think that the Nets will have to do that, and I think they can make the conference finals. I mean, I, I think when you look at the Nets, I don't know if you can really say conference finals are bust. When you Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant only have two years left on their contracts, where, where I mean, you could, they could technically opt in, but I don't see either of them opting in to the final years of their deal. So this is this is a two-year scenario. This is a lot like what the Clippers had with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, except they didn't give up all those draft picks. So they're not in as dire of a situation to win. But when you have those two guys only under contract for two years, you're probably going to want to make it pretty far in that first year, you know, even if it is their first time playing together. And like I said, KD is coming back from major injury, Kyrie coming back from ma- another major injury. So they're they're under a lot of pressure. And 
you know, if, you know, they say they don't win in that first year and there's, you know, Kyrie and KD, they can create a lot of turmoil in the locker room. They're weird dudes. You could see Kyrie in two years if he doesn't win a championship or something like that. He could just straight up retire. Like he's talked about retiring in his early in the early to mid 30s before. So it wouldn't really I don't think it would really shock anybody if he did pull something like that. So the Nets are definitely built to win, but I think they're going to be under a lot of pressure this year to make it far in, into the playoffs. Yeah, dare I say it, I don't think that they will make the finals this year. I think they're going to lose in seven. Uh, I, I I actually think that this is going to be the Boston Celtics year. It's them, it'd be them or their heat. I, I'm not going to count out the Nets, and I'm going to root for them. I, I believe they can make the finals. But if I'm talking as uh, somebody from the outside, I think that this is going to be the year that they need to kind of have cohesion and really figure out what's going on. And I think they will be, you know, assuming nothing goes wrong, and Lord knows a lot has gone wrong in the last few years. I really think that they are they are a team geared to win at the end of the day. Also, Steve Nash, he's going to need those experiences, those losing experiences. I don't think he's going to be kind of ready for all the nuances of rotations and stuff like that, you know, on day one. And so, and certainly the Nets are a very volatile team too, just in terms of all the personalities there. It's great that they have guys like Karis LeVert and Jared Allen and Joe Harris, who at least on the surface are completely egoless. You know, that that's a very good thing to have. They don't have a guy like Patrick Beverly. Or like a Nick Young back in the day, like you kind of guys who were like not great um, at every facet of basketball, but still talk a lot of smack or Draymond Green. You know they don't really have guys like that. Um, so it really is Katie and Kyrie's team. But I agree with Ethan. I think that this is going to be like Eastern Conference Finals bound team. But I don't think I don't see them uh, winning it all this year. I will be rooting for them though. Speaking of the Heat, what do we think about the Miami Heat? Yeah, so. You know, they lost Derek Jones Jr. and Jay Crowder in free agency. And they gained Avery Bradley and Mo Harkless. They also signed Ben Adebayo to a five-year, $163 million contract extension with the potential to get up to 195 if he makes an all-NBA team. Now, we do know that there were a lot of rumors about Giannis maybe going to Miami. And now that he re-signed with the Bucks, it's going to be kind of hard to see how that has an effect on the on the Miami Heat going forward because they're definitely not going to be as good as they thought they could have been with Giannis on the roster, obviously. So what do you guys think is their chances to go back to the finals? Because I just want to say, Ethan, you remember it was it was June, July. We were sitting, you know, preparing for the bubble. What did I say? I said that they're the dark horse team to go to the finals. Because people would be talking about the Bucks, talking about the Celtics and uh, everybody was sleeping on the fact that you want to talk about a well-oiled machine. I don't think any team in the league, even, yes, they lost Derek Jones. Yes, they lost Jay Crowder. I still think that there's no team in the Eastern Conference that is as strong of a machine as the Miami Heat. We saw it on the finals. I don't think I've ever watched LeBron James get completely outplayed by somebody else in his entire life. And we saw that with Jimmy Butler. So, you know, basketball casuals don't really understand Jimmy Butler's game. I'll say it again. I say it a lot on the podcast. He's the Swiss Army knife of NBA players. He does exactly what you need him to do. Bama DeBio, of course, they gave him that extension. I think there's. I don't think he will make the All NBA team this year, but you know he is a bona fide talent. Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero are just two phenomenal shooters. Either one of them could average 20 points per game this season, and it wouldn't surprise me at all. I think there's a very good chance that we're going to have a Nets Heat Eastern Conference Finals. Um, don't sleep on that, and uh, I definitely could see them going back. And I also. You know, you mentioned it. Yes, Giannis is not going to go to Miami this season, I don't think. I think he just signed the Supermax. I think it's very unlikely. However, 
There are plenty of disgruntled stars in the league, and I definitely could see them make some sort of trade come the deadline and become like that sort of super team. Whether it ends up being uh, Joel Embiid or whatever it ends up being, I don't know. I, I don't know. It really kind of depends on what the situation will be like in, in like February. But I think that I, I'm going to pick the Heat once again as my dark horse to make the NBA Finals. I see them being a fourth or fifth seed, but it's not really going to matter because um, the playoff standings don't really matter that much in the East. Uh, before I get into my thoughts about Miami, I just want to remind Ethan that he owes me $20 after I told him that the Heat were going to win that second round series against the Bucks after game one. He laughed in my face. You're not getting so, I'm sorry, bro. So I, I, just, I, just, I just want to put that expose out him, there. Expose him on the pod. I, you got to expose him I just want to put pod. it out there. Yeah, I, I said I said all along, like David, that that Miami was a sleeper. I thought they were going to take that Buck series all the way, and I I love Jimmy Butler. He's been one of my favorite players in the league for a long time now. He's just so much fun. He's the grittiest dude. And when I saw him originally sign with Miami um, last season, I thought it was kind of a weird fit. I didn't really understand it, but you know, after the first 15, 20 games, I was like, okay. This makes sense. Like he's built for that Miami culture. You know, they run like a military style with with Pat Riley and Eric Spoelstra. Like those guys know how to run an organization really tight knit. And Jimmy's all about that kind of stuff. Like that, you know, that's who he is. So it was a perfect match with those two. And Bam Adebayo, you can see he's that kind of guy as well. He just works his tail off every single day and wants to be the best version of himself. Um, the honest rumors, you know, it obviously sucks. You want to add a player like that into your organization whenever you can get the chance just because those guys don't become available all that often. But like David said, there are, you know, constantly we see disgruntled stars, you know, you know what is it? Every couple of months, you'll just see a new guy, you know, he wants out of here or this guy wants out of there and he wants to come to Miami or New York or LA or something like that. So you could see maybe, I don't know, James Harden, we could talk about that maybe another time, but that's a potential fit if they were to give up, Tyler Hero, Robinson, and some picks. Don't sleep on Blake Griffin. Man is, <laughs> man is he is in no man's land at Detroit. He's still a fucking fantastic player. Like, do not I, sleep I on would, Blake I, Griffin. I wouldn't go fantastic. He's still a good player. He's okay. He's still in the upper echelon of players. I, you know, I still think he's he's uh, like a B-list star, and you know, I think that Detroit is gonna go nowhere, uh, and he's just hanging out there. So I could definitely see people making trades for him. Think about Victor Oladipo. There are a lot of guys who who could be, you know, gone come trade season. Uh, and certainly, like I said, just because Simmons and Embiid, neither one of them gets traded right now, it doesn't mean that they're not going to be on the market at some point during the season. Again, it's going to be a Daryl Morey team, and I'm sure that he, he wants to build it his way. And, you know, you kind of got to take off the trash when you move into a new house. I'm not calling them trash, but I'm just saying that he may do some renovation. All right. Yeah, um, also- I I think that um we you know we should uh, finish up on the heat because there's there's a lot of ground we need to cover. But I just want to ask well, one question though. Do you guys like think that that playoff run was a fluke or do you think it was for real? Because in, no, in my it's opinion, not a fluke. It's not a in fluke. my in my opinion, like the bubble, it's a very like very weird situation. And in my opinion, like I just I just don't see the Heat getting back to the finals or even getting close like i think they're gonna probably just get bounced in the second round the heat were the toughest team in the league i i don't think that the bubble was an easy environment to win in at all you saw players were talking about their like that they were depressed 
you know, they're they're in Disneyland, being an adult in Disneyland, you know, kind of not being able to go walk around your city and go explore. I mean, they're really they're living kind of like it's kind of like a big AAU tournament for three months. That could not have been a lot of fun for a lot of adults. Um, obviously, they got paid and obviously nobody got sick. But um, I think it required a very special amount of fortitude and, you know, teamwork and trust to kind of make these runs. You saw um, the Heat played some really tough teams and it was no they did not beat them because of luck. They simply outplayed Eric Spolstra, you know, because he had LeBron and D Wade and Chris Bosh. I don't think he ever got enough credit for being the phenomenal head coach. He is like, he basically created point guard LeBron. Um, and you know, he, you know, Chris Bosh is like, was the first modern center, you know, and you see it now, like there's the kind of ways that, uh, you know, credit to Frank Vogel for doing all these fantastic adjustments on, on the heat on, you know, their insane offense. Uh, but I don't think it was a fluke at all. And I think once again, you know, the guys on their team are only going to improve. They didn't lose much. And um, again, they, they, there is always a wild card that they can make a trade if something is going wrong or if they really want to get into that, you know, win now situation. So I don't think it was a fluke at all. I still think you're going to see Boston and, and, and Milwaukee is like the number one or two, some order like that. You can see the nets up there somewhere, but I think that the heat have as good of a shot as any other team in the East to make the finals. I mean, you you look at what they lost. They it was Derrick Jones Jr. and Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder obviously was, you know, he found his stroke in Miami. He was hitting threes at an insane clip. But you add someone like Mo Harkless, who's a, a solid veteran. Um, Crowder probably wasn't going to maintain those three point uh, shooting percentages into a full season. So I'm not really too worried about that loss. Derrick Jones Jr. hurts because you know he's just an ultra athletic guy. But getting someone like Avery Bradley, I think that's going to be a really underrated pickup for them. Avery Bradley's, you know, we saw him with the Lakers. He was, you know, one of their best defenders throughout the entire season. They lost him in the bubble. It didn't hurt them. They won the championship. But Avery Bradley's still a really good player, and he can he can shoot it a little bit. He can, you know, he can get to the rim. He can facilitate. So that's going to be a really key pickup for Miami if they can play him a little bit at the two guard and replace him with Derek for Derek Jones in your place. So uh, I completely agree with David. I think it wasn't a fluke. I think you're going to see. A lot of the same situations, it's obviously not going to be like the bubble where guys are just going to be locked into one area for three months. But there's going to be still a lot of protocols to follow this year, a lot of strict protocols with guys probably aren't going to be allowed to leave team hotels on road trips. And they're going to be stuck playing cards in their room all day, just like they were doing in the bubble. So it's going to take a lot of mental fortitude again, especially in the early parts of the season. We'll have to see what happens with the vaccine, hopefully more fans coming in by the time the playoffs roll around, stuff like that. But, for the, you know, it's still going to be throughout the entire season probably some level of protocols where a lot of guys are going to struggle. And if there's one team that I trust that's going to follow those protocols and be very strict about it, it's the Miami Heat. So I, I can see that mental toughness just being such a big factor for them. It's going to be really interesting to see how the Miami Heat bounce back because, you know, I definitely believe in Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo, but I, I don't know. I just can't see them being as good as they were last year. But maybe maybe I'll be wrong. I don't know. But let's move on to the Toronto Raptors, or shall I say the Tampa Bay Raptors for this season, because they're going to be playing in Tampa Bay this season. And they did sign Fred Van Fleet to a four-year, $85 million contract. They did lose Serge Ibaka and Marcus Saul in free agency. So in that, that did severely worsen them, but they did gain Aaron Baines, who's a very good player. I think that's going to help them out a lot. But I do think that the Raptors did get worse this offseason. They did not improve. 
Spicy P had a disappointing playoffs, but he was still did that was an excellent job in the regular season. I think he's going to have a bounce back here. He's going to play a lot better. I think he, being that star caliber player for one year and he, under his belt, he's going to understand what he needs to do now. He's just going to be even better. So what do you guys think is the outlook for this Raptors team next year? I think they're probably going to be the fifth seed. I don't see them being a top four seed in the East anymore, but I think they could, their ceiling is probably will be the, the fifth seed. What do you guys think? I mean, like you said, Pascal Siakam struggled a lot in the bubble. It seemed like mentally he wasn't all there. We talked about just just before about how a lot of guys really seemed like they were dealing with some depression in the bubble. And it seemed like, you know, he wasn't really having a ton of fun over there. He just really wasn't himself at all. But I I expect him to bounce back. He was terrific in the regular season. He earned that contract that he got. Getting Fred VanVleet back was huge for them. He's obviously been a big part of their offense. His story is fantastic, going from undrafted to a G League guy and then slowly turning into a rotation player and now a starter who's making 20-plus million a year on a similar contract to Malcolm Brogdon, who was the rookie of the year after his uh, first season. So it's just a really impressive path that he's taken. He's going to be you know, that piece. We don't know what's going to happen with Kyle Lowry after the season, but getting VanVleet under contract is huge for them. Ibaka and Gasol hurt. They definitely do. But I think adding someone like Aaron Baines, who's just a really tough, gritty guy, he's going to set hard screens every single time. He can, you know, he's improved his shooting a little bit. Um, can also pass for a big man. You know, he's decent in that, in that area. So I think he's going to be a key pickup for them. Chris Boucher, I think he's really slept on. He's another one of those guys from the Raptors uh, G League who I think could develop into like a key rotation player at some point in his career. Maybe who knows it could be this year. So I think those two are gonna are big pickups for them. Like you said, I don't expect him to be a top four seed in the East. Uh, I don't expect him to go deep into the playoffs, but you can never count them out just because they are. We if it feels like every single year we underestimate the Raptors. They're like the Blazers of the East where every single year we say, oh, this is the year they're going to be like a sixth or a seventh seed. And then all of a sudden they they make the NBA Finals or they go deep into the second round against the Boston Celtics and make it a really competitive seven Warner, series. They don't have that star power anymore. I really just think that they are they are a much weaker team. Um, I mean, I, I just like, I, I think I think Siakam is, you know, he's not going to be that ultra star guy, but he is a star. And I, I think Fred Van Vliet is, you know, he's a borderline all-star in the East, maybe. Yeah, I'm if shocked he can he reach stayed. his peak. I kind of wanted to see him in uh, in New York. I would have loved to see him there. I think, uh, but I, I, look, I think that they're going to be a playoff team. But I, don't, I think that um, I think that the writing was on the wall in the bubble. I, I don't think they're going to be as good. Like I said, they'll probably be a playoff team. Uh, they're also going to be in Tampa Bay, right? They're going to be so that's going to be really interesting. That may hurt them too, just considering it being new location. Um, on the other hand, I'm sure those guys are going to be happy playing in very nice weather and not paying any income tax uh, this year. So I, it's going to be it's going to be really interesting. And you know, one thing I wanted to say that's kind of unrelated. Um, usually, when the NBA does stuff like this, or they relocate a team, they're very deliberate about where they pick the cities. Like when um, the Hornets were hit by Katrina. Where did they end up playing? They played in Oklahoma City, and what happened a couple of years later? Uh, the Sonics got moved to Oklahoma City. So, you know, keep in mind, they have the Lightning and they have the Buccaneers in Tampa Bay. It's kind of becoming a sports town. So I wouldn't be surprised if we had some sort of Tampa Bay team as part of the new expansion team. 
We, especially, we, 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 we got to get Seattle first before we talk about it. No, but else. I, mean, I, I know. I, I don't need to have one on each side, saying. though. They're going to need to have one on each side is the thing. So yeah. I think um, I think I think it's very likely that uh, if there ends up being an expansion, because I think 32 teams is not really that uh, that crazy to have 32 teams instead of 30. It's not it's a pretty, still a pretty even number, not like 34. So I, I think it's um, I think it's it's very likely that we're going to see some sort of Tampa Bay team in the next few years. Uh, so so keep keep that in mind is what I'll say. Like they could have picked a host of other cities like Buffalo, for example, which is right. I, actually, I think Buffalo rejected them, but there's still, I think there, there's still a ton of options. Um, I think Tampa Bay, it, they're probably exploring it. And certainly, you know, in the middle of a pandemic, you know, one of the best ways to support economies is by starting sports teams because people will spend a lot of money on that. So uh, I think that, you know, it's, it's going to be time for an expansion team anyway. Mark my words. Yeah, I, I definitely agree about them exploring Tampa as a, a potential new market for an NBA team. And I agree with you, Jordan, too, that, you know, we should get Seattle first, which I do think will be happening very soon. I think we're going to hear something about it in the next two years. For sure. But let's move on to the Indiana Pacers. And you want to talk about continuity. The Pacers pretty much have the exact same roster, with the exception of they did change their head coach. Nate McMillan got fired. I think they hired Nate. I forgot his last name. is hard to pronounce. But I think he was the assistant coach of the Raptors last season. So he's going to be the head coach now. So they were heavily involved with the Gordon Hayward uh, trade talks, but they didn't have a lot of cap space, and Boston wanted uh, Miles Turner and TJ Warren or Aaron Holiday. So they didn't want to give up that much, which was a good move on by them. So we've talked before on this podcast about how the Sabonis-Turner uh, back front court is going to be broken up at some point. I definitely think that's true because Sabonis is just a way better player than Miles Turner right now. So they're probably going to pull the trigger at some point and trade him to a team that needs a center off the top of my head. I mean, if Brooklyn Nets somehow got Miles Turner, that would be insane. Um, Just like a quick idea that I'm throwing out there. But the Pacers, you know, kind of like a boring team in the East, you know, probably going to be the sixth or the seventh seed, something like that. Um, not too exciting, but yeah, it is what it is. What do you guys think about the Pacers? I don't, I don't think anything about the Pacers. I, I, they're not even in my mind. I don't think that they're going to contend seriously. I think they're going to be a bottom four team. They're going to lose in the first round. Um, you know, they haven't changed it much, and that's what we saw last year. And so, I don't see why anything is going to change. In fact, I think it's likely that we just see a fire sale of Miles Turner. And or Victor Oladipo by the trade deadline. Um, so, yeah, that that's what I think. I don't really have an opinion on them. Yeah, I, I think we can keep it pretty brief with the Pacers. Like they didn't really make a ton of changes, like you said, Ethan. It, it was just bringing back Justin Holiday on that team-friendly deal. I think it was three years, 18 million. Uh, smart move not to give up all that stuff for Gordon Hayward, who is a good player, but I don't really think would have moved the needle that much for them. Um, Turner's going to have to go at some point, but right now you just have to hope that Oladipo is 100% healthy and that maybe you can get him locked up to some kind of long-term extension so you can keep that continuity in Indiana. It seems like they enjoy, you know, not really jumping up for the, you know, going all in on a championship team, but more being that solid four to seven seed range every single year and just being a team that can be competitive in the playoffs. So I think that's just the, the kind of team Indiana is going to be for the foreseeable future. 
and hope they can continue that because it's always good to see those kind of teams in the league. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. You know, Old Depot, even when he came back last year, I think he rushed to come back. He he looked really shaky last year in the in the bubble. So I I be, I'm curious to know what he's gonna look like this season. Yeah, but, he 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 just he just got to stay healthy. Like that's the main thing. When he's healthy, we've seen him as an all-star caliber player. You know, he I think it was 2018. He made the all-star team and he was looking absolutely fantastic. So if he can refine that form, it'll be a big boost for Indiana. Yeah. So there was a bombshell trade that happened recently with Russell Westbrook getting traded to the Wizards, and you know I think they're going to be a playoff team for sure. And uh, I think they're going to be eighth seed. Yeah, uh, prob- probably the A seed, but, you know, they're definitely improved now with Russell Westbrook and, uh, you know, uh, Bradley Beal, who's one of the best scorers in the NBA. Here's here's the Very one thing underrated. I'll say. Here's the one thing I'll say. First of all, I think that the Wizards easily won this trade because Westbrook has thrived in these kinds of situations. And I also think that, you know, aside from having Kevin Durant as a teammate in Oklahoma City, I think that this is the quintessential Russell Westbrook team. You know, they don't have a ton of guys who clog the paint. Everybody's a shooter. So they even have guys like Thomas Bryant, who is a center, you know, shooting the ball. Danny Avdia, I will never forgive the Knicks for not drafting him. And, you know, I don't like the Knicks anyway. I think that... Let's um, let's, let's, let's not bring it up. Let's just avoid that topic. Shout out our boy yeah. Denny. We hope for Denny, all the success Denny, I think I watched him in that first preseason game. And, you know, that's the one thing when you draft guys out of Europe is that you know that they're going to be able to keep up with the speed of the NBA. They may not be able to keep up with other facets, but they can always keep up with the speed. And you could see that Denny was very comfortable on the floor. I don't think he missed a single shot that he took. I think he was 6 for 6, 15 points. And, you know, he he was actually matched up against Joe Harris, against Kevin Durant. He definitely thinks he needs to work on, but I think he is he's, he's definitely in the running for Rookie of the Year. And I think that he is the he's going to be the kind of the sleeper of that draft. Um, I'm Again, I'm still shocked that he went so low, quite frankly. Um, and I think that having a guy like that next to Russell Westbrook is going to be deadly. I think, you know, Davis Bertans is another. And certainly Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal is one of the most friendly, like, trigger-happy, like, off-ball shooting guards in the league. You know, he's he's like he's like CJ McCollum in that sense. I think he's a very good uh, complement to Russell Westbrook, potentially. That being said, they have no depth. I, I mean, wait, I just want to interject for a second. Is he a compliment to Russell Westbrook, or is Bradley Beal the star of this team? I feel like Beal is the star. He's the He's the show right now. I that's, think that West, Westbrook definitely thinks he's the star of the yes, show. Yes, in fact, I in fact, Jordan, that's a great point, and I actually happen to agree with you. But when you trade, you know, John, let's be honest. You know, Bradley Beal was the best player on the Wizards for the last few years, right? Yeah, he he but, was a thirty point per game scorer last year. Right, time. and the thing is, it was still John Wall's team. So I am inclined to think that Russell Westbrook is going to be the mouth of that team. I think we all know that the that yeah, that Bradley Beal is the heart of that team. He's the best player for sure. Um, but you know, this is going to be for better, or for worse, this is going to be Russell Westbrook's team. It's always going to be like that until Russell Westbrook is averaging like eight points per game coming off the bench, um, for the, some playoff team when his athleticism fails him, but it hasn't. So it's going to be Westbrook's team. In any case, I think that they're the most fascinating team in the Eastern conference. They're going to make, they're going to, they're going to give a lot of teams problems for the, their playoff standings. I think. I don't think that they're good enough to be consistently good. I think they're going to have a lot of off days. But I, I still think, you know, Russell Westbrook, 30-point uh, triple-double alert. Watch out for that. I'm, I'm, I'm very curious. I'm, I'm going to be rooting for Denny, like, throughout uh, throughout his season. 
um, just as an Israeli. And yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I think that they'll be they're They're not going to be a lock for the playoffs. I know Ethan, you're going to about to ask that. I don't think they're, they're locked for the playoffs necessarily, but I think that they will probably make the seventh or eighth seed. Yeah, well, they're, they're, they're going to be playing for that uh, seven, eight, nine spot where they're going to be, you know, that possible playing. playing game. Yeah, but I also wanted to say that I'm pretty high on Rui Hachimura. He had a very good year last year. I think he's going to improve a lot. I remember when I saw him getting drafted, I told David that he's going to be really good. And so far, he has been really good. I think he's just going to get better. So I do think that there's a pretty good foundation there in Washington. They're probably going to be, as you guys said, you know, the seventh or eighth seed playing for that play-in tournament. And, you know, just to move on a little bit, we got the Atlanta Hawks, who, you know, also made a bunch of moves this offseason. And I'm not 100% sold on the Hawks. You know, I'm not really sold on Trey Young. Um, he definitely can score the ball, but... I wanted to see him score meaningful points, not putting up scoring points on a team that was really horrible last year. He was just putting up points on a bad team because somebody had to score the ball. So I, I'm curious to see how Trey Young is going to look with this new roster. They got Ray, they got Rondo, Chris Dunn, they got Danilo Gallinari, Solomon Hill. So they made some good additions. They have Clint Capel from last year, Cam Reddish, who I saw playing in the preseason, looked pretty good too. So. I think that they're going to be an improved team. I'm not so sure how much improved they could be, but I think a successful season for the Hawks will be playing for the playing tournament because, you know, they were really bad last year. They only won, like, 17 games. So you can't just expect a team that won 17 games to, like, you know, win 35 right away. That's, like, doubling their wins, and especially in the 72-game uh, season. That's like going to 500. So, you know, I don't see the Hawks going 500 yet. I think they will double their win count, though. I think they're going to have know. 34 wins. I think they will be 34 and 38, and I think it's not going to be good enough to make the playoffs. Um, I, I mean, they just they just added way too much talent. There's no way it's not going to work. They, they, like, they're not going to be the worst team in the East. I, I'm not sure that they'll make the playoffs, to be honest. Um, if they do, again, they'll be the eighth seed or they'll be fighting for the play-in. But I just think they, they just added too much solid talent. Like, it, you add a guy like Bogdan Bogdanovich, you add Danilo Gallinari, you add Rajon Rondo, something is going to work. Of, and, of course, you know, considering the talent that they already have, Kevin Herter, John Collins, Clint Capella, I don't even have to say Trey Young, who Matt thinks is going to be MVP candidate. Um, you know, we I, I just I don't see how they're not going to be. I mean, are they going to play a stride of defense? No. Are they going to average probably like 120, 130 points per game? Probably. So, you know, that's going to be good enough to, I think, you know, get actual wins they remind me a lot of of uh of the nets a few years ago it's you know kind of where they have inf- sudden influx of just very quality players dependable players um i i do think that they are going to be a solid team i i think they'll be solid but like you said david the the defense can't be overstated how bad it is yeah like they have no defense whatsoever chris dunn was actually one of my favorite pickups for them just because he's one of the best defensive guards in the league he's super underrated in that area and i think he's going to help Trey Young, if he plays alongside him, you know, you maybe you can hide Trey Young a little bit on the defensive end because he's like easily the single worst defensive player in the league. Even when he tries, he's just not good on defense. Like he cannot, like I could probably get past him, and any of us could. So that that's how bad he is in that area. Um, but 
you know, you look at all the other guys. There's just there's really no defense whatsoever. DeAndre Hunter is a solid defender, but I don't know how many minutes he's going to be getting once you add Bogdanovich, Gallinari, Collins. Uh, yeah, and also I agree with you. I I also just don't think that the rotations are still clear. It's it's this is kind of what we were talking about a couple of episodes. Like I just don't really see how I don't see the big picture with this team. Yeah, also no, the, the guys the, they signed the, are pretty old. Like Gallinari is not staying long term. Rajon Rondo is not staying long term. So who's really going to be that future core that you really build around? You know, I, I don't see it right now. Obviously, it's going to be Capella, Collins, Trey Young. Okay, but that, what about everybody else you added? If you just added them to make the playoffs one year, congrats, and then what? Or for two years, congrats, but then what? Like, well, I don't see the next step in the progression. And I know, uh, like, Matt, I hear him now saying, like, oh, well, that's when you add the good players. Like, I hear him saying that, um, in like, in my head. But uh, in practice, I just think it's, it's going to be very awkward. But I just think they added too much talent to not be considered. Another team also that I think we – lest we forget, the Magic, too. The Magic made the eighth seed last year. I think that they're very likely to make it again. I don't think much has changed on their end. You still have Aaron Gordon. They still have Nikola Vucevic. Marco Fultz impressed me a lot, um, and so I don't want to sleep on the Magic either. I think that they're they're going to kind of round out these playoff teams. Um, the, ma- the, the, ma- the Magic, the biggest thing for them is losing Jonathan Isaac. I think that's really going to hurt them. He was their best defensive player, and he's you know he's a guy who I could see becoming a defensive player of the year and I also, kind of guy in a couple of years. I want to say about the Magic that also um, Mohamed Bamba, uh, Mo Bamba, he's still recovering from his from COVID, actually, and he's he's a long hauler. Apparently, he still can't uh, he doesn't have the stamina that he used to have. His words. And it seemed to have hit him really hard. He's still recovering. He won't be playing for a while, it looks like, for the Magic. So I wish him all the best, and I hope he does recover um, soon because I think he was really struggling to find his footing in the NBA, and so this just makes it all the harder. And he was very promising, you know, very promising talent. And, um, yeah, I just I wanted to mention that. So I just want to ask you guys, who do you guys think the worst team in the NBA will be on the Eastern Commerce will be? You know, we got teams like the Knicks, the Pistons, the Cavs, the Bulls, the Hornets. You know, Hayward just broke his hand. Are you ready for my hot take, Ethan? I don't think you're ready for this. So, Jazz, let's hear it. I think the Knicks may be the ninth seed this year. What? That is a horrible take. I know know Jordan likes it, but that's a all, First of all, I watched both of their their preseason games against the Pistons. They're going to be bad, bro. I watched both of their games against the Pistons. I was was actually very curious. First of all, I want to say Tom Thibodeau, uh, easily the best head coach that they've had in maybe ever, like last 20 years at least, like since Pat Riley. He's the best coach I've ever had. The man is, is screaming at the refs during the preseason game. Uh, he wants to win games, and that that matters. You know, yeah, gone are the days of. Let me finish. Gone are the days of David Fisdale and uh, uh, Derek Fisher, Jeff Hornacek. Gone are the days of those guys who are there to get a lavish paycheck and dip. Uh, that that matters. You know, we could talk about whether his coaching styles are outdated another time, but the fact is the mentality matters. He brings the mentality that the Knicks have needed. I also want to say, while I'm very upset that the Knicks did not draft Danny Avdia, I have to say Obi Toppin. He passes the eye test for me. On offense. I, oh, you, look, you can always learn defense. Okay, he he has Bro. he has he has offensive gifts unlike anybody else on the roster. I think the big question mark is is Julius Randle going to swallow his pride? Because Julius Randle is, I think, a huge huge obstacle for the Knicks actually developing players. He just he's a black hole. He eats up the ball. He doesn't pass. He makes bad decisions, and he's talented at the end of the day. I just think that. 
he sees the Knicks right now as an opportunity for him to kind of, you know, uh, pad his stats. Um, but the, the, this is going to be the transition year for the Knicks. I really do believe it. I think that this is the year. Uh, I don't think this is the year that Kevin Knox becomes good. I don't think this is the year that R.J. Barrett, you know, becomes, uh, you know, be- the better version of Andrew Wiggins. I think that they're still far away, but I do think that um, I think that they're just going to play very hard, and I think that they are going to surprise people. I think they'll be the ninth or tenth seed this year. I I really, especially looking at the rest of the teams, looking at the Cavs, um, looking at the Bulls. Like I think the Cavs and the Bulls are going to be the two worst teams in the league. I don't know exactly how that's going to look, but I think they're going to be like so 14-15. It's going to be somewhere there. I think the Hornets can also be up there. I think that I don't think the Hornets are going to be that bad. Pistons or whatever, they're just a mediocre team. They're forgettable. And, yeah, I, I, that's going to be my hot take, though, that the Knicks are not going to be the worst team. And especially, I think this is be the first year that they won't be a laughing stock in maybe nine years. This is maybe since they had uh, Jason Kidd. This will be the first year that they're not going to be outright laughing stock. That's my hot take. Well, this, is I, the, this will be the first year that the Knicks gain respect. You heard it here first. I, I completely disagree with you, man. Like, yeah, I, I get it that, you know, Tom Thibodeau wants to win games, but I think he's going to be pretty disappointed when he sees that his team can't win games because they're really they're really bad. I mean, their team is really bad. And I'm not hating. Like, the Knicks, I do think that they're headed in the right direction. Like, as you mentioned, Tom Thibodeau is one of the best coaches they had in years. They're Leon Rose... And Worldwide West seem to know what they're be, they were doing in the offseason. Well, dude, if, if Leon Rose, if Leon Rose and um and Worldwide West, if they take the um if they take the Brody Van Wagner approach of just signing people oh, that they used stop. to represent, uh, then they're not going to improve much. And that was kind of what really disgusted me about the Obi Toppin draft is that it was just a CAA guy, and I, I really it, it just makes you feel bad because if that was really the only reason that they took him, I don't think it was for what it's worth because you know he is from Brooklyn and all, but. You know, that's not how you run a team. Uh, I mean, I, I just think, like, they had a very good draft. They didn't really lose anybody, which is not bad, I guess. Um, they do have talent. I mean, you know, R.J. Barrett, I think, is going to be a very good player. Julius Randle, I think, in the right context, is going to be fine. Uh, Mitchell Robinson has a lot of talent, too. Which I was going to say, you can't you can't sleep on Mitchell Robinson, who's probably the best player on the Knicks right now. Frank Ntilikina. I'm sleeping on him. I'm, never, I'm, 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 I'm still on him. fine, but I'm, I'm and I still don't want to give up on Frank Ntilikina because Frank Ntilikina is just a, he's an elite defender, and you know uh, that that that's a good thing to have on a team like the Knicks to have. Wait, let's wait. Let's ask Jordan what he thinks because he is the resident Knicks fan here. So what does he think the Knicks are going to do next season? He's going to agree with me. Okay, so. David, I love you, and I appreciate you giving all that love to the Knicks. Like, uh, it's not love. I, it, it's it, it not love. No. I hate the Knicks, but I. I, I, really I know you do. I know that's why. It, that's why it, it makes me smile because I know you dislike them, and you're still giving them that credit. But I'm gonna disagree with you. They're gonna be bad, man. They're gonna be bad. Because no, listen, listen to my reasoning. I think all the things you said about Thibodeau, and you know, there's guys in there that are better than what most people think than the casual fans you know they just give these opinions that the Knicks lol Knicks you know they're terrible but the biggest problem I have with the Knicks right now is that there's literally zero spacing on the roster they have no shooting I think they've been shooting about 27 percent from three in their first three preseason games they have no shooting whatsoever on the roster I think their best shooter is like Alec Burks which just tells you everything you need to know about that um, Julius Randle makes me want to gouge my eyes out with some of the passes 
that he completely ignores like RJ Barrett in the corner, who's actually RJ Barrett has been a really big bright spot. He's been outside of one bad quarter in the first preseason game. He's looked really good finishing at the rim. Dude, and Kevin Knox scored above 12 points for the first time in like 40 games. <laughs> and I know how much you hate Kevin Knox. So it's, that's also appreciated the love for him. But yeah, I just think the, the Knicks need to play their young guys as much as they can this year. They need to focus on development and just they're going to be a bad team. They're they're probably going to be like right there with the Cavs and the Pistons for those are probably my bottom three for the for the East this year. I think what the Pistons did with in, in free agency was just terrible. I have no idea what they're what doing. What did they do in free agency? With, with all those, they sound like eighteen centers. Like yeah, it's, it's, it's more it's, like it's, what it's, did it's, they not do? It's it's the Knicks power forward jokes, except now it's the Pistons with centers. No, it's like, like they saw the Knicks do that and they're like, you want to bet I can like you know it's like uh, you want to bet I can do a wheelie. It's like yeah, hold my beer like. Uh, yeah, the, the Pistons, the Pistons are are really gonna be a fever dream. I mean, the Cavs, in my opinion, will be the worst team in the league. Oh, I, yeah, I'm I, I the Cavs and the Thunder, I think, are gonna be two of the worst, and I think honestly, the Knicks are gonna be right there. As much as I love them, and I maybe want maybe I'm being a little optimistic about the ninth, tenth seed, but I, I this is really what I was trying to say with that. I think this is gonna be the first year that the Knicks are gonna be an abject laughing stock. I think there is gonna be some seriousness, there is gonna be some accountability that we haven't seen from the Knicks in years, and that's going to be very good because. As I saw as a Nets fan, the first thing you need before anything is culture. And, you know, players, coaches, they come and go, but the culture remains. And, you know, Kenny Atkinson, that's why they hired him on the Nets. He established a culture. Culture is what lasts. And so bringing a guy like Thibodeau, you're you're sending a message about culture. You're saying that you want to win games and that you're not going to be suckers and, and, and lose. And um, I have my own opinions on Tom Thibodeau. We've talked about the podcast, but... I was very impressed with how I just saw him lead because the Knicks need leadership more than anything. And at the end of the day, every single guy on the Knicks is still an NBA caliber player. Even Julius Randle, who I know you don't like. I think that um, this isn't obviously going to be their Knicks year, but I think I will say this. I don't know where they're going to end up. I think this will be the first year that they're not a laughing stock. Even if they go 16 and 56, well, you better believe those 16 wins are going to be very hard earned and they're going to, you know, it's not going to be the kind of laughing stock like it used to be. You just go take a rest in New York. I think this is I, this is the first year that, that you will see that you're going to see the Knicks are going to be a gritty team. They're going to fight really hard, and that matters. That does matter. I I totally agree. I think that that's that's the biggest thing for me is just not being a team where opposing clubs will walk into the Garden and just be like, oh, just check off an easy W. We can rest our main three starters. And just like, you know, roll out with the second and third stringers and still carve out an easy W, just having that respectability. Yeah, no, you know, you know, Jordan, I'm now no fan of the Knicks, but I do think that they are headed in the right direction. You know, Tom Thibodeau, is he going to play a player, you know, 46 minutes in a game? You know, it's probably going to happen. But, you know, he's going to try to win games and he's going to try to instill a culture in the young players to try to learn how to win NBA basketball games. And I think that's the most important thing. And I do agree with you guys, you know, the Knicks, Pistons, and Cavs have to be my bottom three. I think the Bulls with Billy Donovan will be a little bit better. I mean, anything is better than Jim Boylan. So I think the Bulls are going to be, you know, probably like the 10th seed probably. Maybe the 9th seed. The Hornets, Gordon Hayward is going to be out for a little bit. So the Hornets may stink also. So, yeah. Well, that's think, I'm really excited for though. I'm really excited to see to see Lamella Ball. I, I think yeah, he's, he's he's one of the most intriguing draft prospects in the last 20 years. You know, wh- whatever he's just like in the situation with Alonzo too. You know, whatever ends up happening, you know, it's going to be exciting. His best games are going to be super exciting, and 
and you can't help but not root for him. Uh, that's how I felt about Lonzo. Lonzo kind of disappointed me, but I, so I'm hoping that that um, you know, I'm hoping that Lamelo can kind of avenge Lonzo. And even still, Lonzo's found his own niche. And yeah, the last thing I actually want to ask you guys is who do you think is winning the Eastern Conference? Uh, I think the Bucks will uh, this year. I think maybe this. I think this is going to be their year because I think you know, Giannis. Part of the reason why I think he stayed in Milwaukee. I think you know, part of the reason. He can ask himself, you know, is the reason that I'm not able to get to the finals, has it been because of my team or has it been, has it been because of me? And I think Giannis could look at, at himself in the mirror and say, you know, I haven't played up to the standard that I should be, which is part of the reason why I think he stayed in Milwaukee and he saw that they tried to improve the team. But now I think the onus is on Giannis to improve because he has had two disappointing um, postseasons. So I think that he will improve now. He's won the MVP Twice and out, back to back. So I think that this will be the Bucks year to make it to the finals. I uh, I'm I'm gonna go with Ethan. I'm gonna pick the Bucks. I think just not having to deal with Giannis's extension looming over their heads anymore, and just dealing with that uncertainty from players if they have you know a couple game losing streak or something like that. The media will start asking questions like, "Is this Giannis's last year in Milwaukee or stuff like that?" Where they that can get to a team in the locker room. So I think that'll create some really you know. It won't create as many distractions, and, and having Drew Holiday is such a big boost for them. I, I'm going to pick Milwaukee to make it out of the East and play the Lakers in the finals. Dave, what do you think? I am going to, you know, I was going to say the Celtics, but I don't really believe it at heart. Um, I think we're going to see the Heat go back. I really feel it. I just, I, you know, they're, I don't think they're going to win the most games. But I think uh, they they just have the heart that all the other teams, except maybe the Nets, just don't have. And, you know, especially with the, the, the Raptors on their way out, um, I don't believe in the Sixers at all. I really think it's going to, you know, it's going to be, can they survive the Bucs? Can they survive the Celtics? And guess what? They already have. So, you know, yeah, I think I think it's going to be the Miami Heat back. I, I want it to be the Bucs because uh, if the Bucks lose again, then, you know, all the things that people have been saying about guys like Russell Westbrook and James Harden that they can't make the finals and they're overrated, Giannis doesn't get that criticism. And I think it's about time that he starts getting that criticism, especially if he's going to be MVP caliber player again and goes nowhere. That's really bad, you know, uh, for his his whole narrative. If, imagine if he wins MVP this year, they get bounced to the second round again. Like, okay, this year three-time MVP, uh, three-peat MVP, can't even get to the, you know, finals. So I think the onus is on the Bucks to make the finals. I really think it is. Having said that, I think it's gonna be Miami again. I just, I just feel it. Yeah, and you know, I think that we covered the Eastern Conference pretty well. So um, be on the lookout for our Western Conference preview, which will come in a couple of days. So thank you for listening to the Getting Buckets podcast. Follow us on Twitter. Subscribe to us on Apple and Spotify, and we'll see you guys next time. Peace. Bye.